here. Oh. Welcome to Photography Chat with Merlin. Photography Chat with Merlin. Welcome to another episode of the chat. Uh, we're here with uh, Ray Barbie. Uh, it's season three, episode thirty-seven. And thank you so much for uh, for joining, Ray. It's uh, great to have you on here. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Uh, sorry again for the uh, for the lack of uh, technical ability <laughs> to log on on time. It's it's all it's all good, man. No worries on that, because like I mean. <laughs> You, you've, you've got it down when it comes to the photography and that's all that matters. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, hey, I was digging, I was digging that theme song. Who did that? Uh, that was by Mocha only. Uh, he's uh, he's a rapper here from Vancouver. Um, right on. He spent a bunch of time in LA too. Um, okay. He was part of uh, swollen members for a while there. And uh, oh, cool. yeah, he's, he's a really cool cat. He actually just lives down the street from my studio. So he's right uh, on. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice touch. Well, so I, I've been doing this is season three now. Um, I started this August twenty twenty during like lockdown when we were all stuck at home during the pandemic, and um, originally it was just doing it like off of my cell phone with like a little Bluetooth speaker thing, and then wow. um, this year I decided to like. I'm going to spend some money on this thing that makes me no money at all to try and like up the production <laughs> of it. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought like all of this like broadcast gear so we can have good audio and like, you know, put yeah. in, put in the sound bites and stuff. And, uh, now we're also streaming on YouTube at the same time. So like there's wow, um, wow. a YouTube stream also happening. So yeah. So you stepped it up. It, is that, is that a foam behind you? Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah cool yeah so it's i I do the podcast i've got a little studio here and it used to be an old motel um and then they converted the motel into artist spaces and uh, so i do a bit of photography here um as well as uh the podcast here every week super cool man right on yeah it's it's been a lot of fun and like you know i i've been really lucky to like chat with some interesting people like it really it kind of blows my mind like the the folks that have uh, agreed to spend some time and, and share some stories with me and uh you know now cool. you get to be added to those lists of people here <laughs> right on man <laughs> so I, I, was, I was kind of well if you want to take a moment to just like you know say hi to everyone and for those of you who who may not know uh who uh who you are just uh give them uh give them a little tidbit yeah well, um, yeah, whoever's watching, thanks for hanging out. Um, and yeah, my name is Ray Barbie and I live in Long Beach, California with my wife and two sons. Um, very grateful to have turned pro for skateboarding when I was 17 and never forget, uh, you know, senior year of high school when everybody kind of kind of kind of getting on you about okay so what are you going to do what are you going to do you're going to college what are you doing and um i had just turned pro probably about a month before graduating 
And I remember saying like, yeah, maybe, but I think I'm just going to try this for a year. And I had no idea that it'd be, I don't know, 30 years later, <laughs> still, still able to be making a living riding a, riding a skateboard. And so, um, uh, yeah. And I like, uh, obviously, I, um, because of the reason why we're speaking is I love photography. And so, um, and in particular, I love printing in the dark room and, um, and, uh, and also play music. And so, uh, Jack of all trades, master of none kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard a lot of uh, great stories from you from, uh, from Alan Evans. Uh, he used to be out in Boston at the Leica store there. And, uh, Oh, right on. Yeah. Right on. He, he was yeah. uh, talking about how you came out to do, uh, do a thing at the gallery there. And, uh, so you were just super nice dude. Yeah. It was really cool to spend time with, uh, with, the uh, uh, everybody, the, the, all the, uh, crew over there at the like a story out there um i think it was a uh, um maybe a i, I don't know the digital <laughs> i don't know a lot of the digital cameras that like it has but i think it was like the sl2 maybe it was like a launch thing that they were doing so they asked me to come out and play i came and played for that so that's what brought me out oh, that's cool uh, to get, yeah yeah it was it was fun and, and that store is really cool because it's attached to a hotel. I remember it's just like the hotel was just like right through the door, <laughs> just get right to the you know to the lobby and and so. But um, but yeah, Alan was awesome and the whole crew there. Like I dig. I've been I've been very fortunate to being able to spend time and meet a lot of the employees that work at the at the Leica stores. And for the most part, man, they're just all great people. You know, especially one here in LA, partial to that one because I'm close to that one, <laughs> and so <laughs> I get to see them more often. You know, I, I haven't seen the LA like a store, but um, I am going to be driving down to Texas next weekend uh, for a wow. Polaroid thing, and um, both ways on the way down and on the way back, I'm going to be stopping through LA, so I might have to to pop in there and check. Yeah, it out. yeah. Yeah, it's nice. It's got the gallery upstairs, and I think there's a cool show hanging right now. I can't remember who, but that's one thing that's cool about the Leica store in LA is it's one of the flagship stores, and or I think it is the flagship store possibly. So it has a nice gallery space up top. You know, that's wicked awesome. Um, Dave had a question for you on how yeah. you got started with photography uh well growing up skateboarding and getting to the point to where um i got sponsored and and then eventually turning pro then um i'm just i've been very fortunate to be around a lot of really talented photographers um in particular skateboard photographers um who worked for the magazines. And so for me, um, a lot of it started with my interest towards photography started with being on the other end of the lens. Um, whether it be them shooting portraits for interviews or them shooting me skating, you know? And so I've always been around it because of skateboarding and I've always had a 
great respect for their craft because when the photos would come out in the magazine, it was just like they transformed what I felt was kind of, I don't know, kind of simple or whatever. Um, uh, they turned it into something exciting <laughs> because of their composition or because of their perspective, because of the, uh, what the lens does to it, especially those, the wide angle lenses, you know, putting you into the action. And so, um, and so I've just grew up around photography because of skateboarding basically. Um, and it was from that exposure that eventually drew me to wanting to shoot myself also, you know, um, but I, but I never had a desire to shoot skateboarding, <laughs> but, uh, but it's because of those guys that I wanted to pick up a camera basically. That's cool. Yeah. There, there's like a really interesting intersection between skateboarding and photography. I've noticed like, um, a lot of my favorite photographers all used to be skateboarders. Um, which is, is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised, you know. I mean, obviously I'm biased, <laughs> but, um, but I think that uh, something about the way skateboarding makes you see things, or should I say the way you learn to see things because of riding a skateboard, then uh, that carries over to what excites you and how you look for things. Um, when you're holding a camera up to your eye. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is that ability to hunt <laughs> comes from uh, skateboarding because we're always looking for skate spots. We know there's something here. <laughs> and so um, I know when I'm uh, walking around my camera, I'm, I'm having that same kind of uh, uh, posture, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's just always looking for things. Where is it? There's something here, you know, kind of thing. And so, um, and it's, it's interesting because I see a lot of that, um, I guess in, yeah, these photographers that came from skateboarding. You know? Yeah. Brian Brooks was asking, he's like, name names. So some, some of the photographers mm, okay. that I really like, um, that inspired, like, well, you, of course, are definitely like you know, up there. Wow. Uh, Jason Lee, uh, Ed Templeton, uh, Deanna Templeton. Her work is great. Um, yeah. Ardo Sari, I like his stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Greg Hunt, also fantastic. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Just yeah. A, a lot. And I think I, I kind of like that the the lens that um, a lot of skateboarders capture because um, I was talking with Jeff Cole, who um, runs uh, Skull Skates here in Vancouver. I did a Polaroid 8x10 portrait for him um, this week. And um, it, it was just interesting talking with him and like kind of realizing like how steeped British Columbia is in like skate culture. Like just growing up in the 90s in like a small town, you know, there's like you know, skateboarders everywhere. That culture like permeated in like all the punk music and like the, uh, the yeah. scene that we were in there. And, yeah. um, it is just kind of interesting how, like, I didn't realize like how much that became ingrained as part of my life and until later. And yeah. uh, I think that's why I was like drawn into these, these photographers with the, the view that they had. Yeah. 
you know, you know, there's that thing where, you know, like shoot what you love. Right. And one thing I, I, I love about skateboarding is, um, you know, you know, that term, it's a business term, right. Where, uh, they call it in house yeah. where it's like in house we get, you know, uh, like if we, if we think about vans, like I remember for a little while they were, um, hiring an ad agency to do their skateboard ads, you know, but that ad agency didn't come from skateboarding. And so those ads, this is like mid nineties, those ads did not translate well because the guys laying it out on skateboard. I think they were surfers. And so you'd see a guy, you see, I remember, you know, you see an ad of say like a Tom Boyle who had a shoe at the time, vert skater doing a McTwist and it would be him cut out with a white backdrop and no lip, no coping. And so, um, from that and from the skaters, me being one, (laughs) Cause when my, when it came time for my ad, I was like, I don't want them to do it. <laughs> and so I got a friend to help me lay out my ad. And from there, um, I remember just a bunch of us saying, Hey, we need skaters to do these ads. And so they hired, um, my friend Donnie Miller to come in and start doing the ads. Right. And so again, that term in house means like, we don't have to hire outside. We can do it from within, you know, and I love that about skateboarding. It's like every part of skateboarding, it's, um, you know, so many of the things that makes it what it is, um, becomes in house, right? It's like skateboard photographers are the ones skating the skateboard action, you know, um, skateboard skateboarders are the videographers who are capturing, um, the action and creating the, bids um the shoes are being designed by skateboarders um music's being created by skateboarders and so there's this culture where you know i always say it's it's, you know it's like skateboarding is like this big quilt and all the various patches of the quilt are these things right it's like music videography, photography, design, graphics. You know what I mean? It's like, those are all various patches of the quilt. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is it's very, um, common for all of these things to function uh, at a high level from skateboarders because it's skateboarders that, uh, can tell the story the best mm-hmm. can present these things the best can capture it the best. Uh, again, going back to the shoot what you love, you know what I mean? It's like a skateboarder is going to know the moment that you should freeze the action, <laughs> you know? And so, um, and so I'm not surprised that you get all these talented skateboarders who, um, who are really functioning at a high level in these other kind of areas, you know? I mean, I, I think about Spike Jones, you know? Like, yeah. I'll never forget when 9-11 happened. I remember, and I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's true, but I would not, I would not doubt it, but 
I heard that there were certain directors that were getting hired by the government to come up with possible um, terrorist scenarios. You know, I think I remember hearing that Spike's name was in that mix. You know what I mean? So, um, and they're coming to Spike not from skateboarding, not from doing the blind video or working for Trans World or Big Brother, but they're coming to him because of his movies. Mm-hmm. And when he starts doing movies, he's bringing a breath of fresh air to an industry um, because of his ideas are coming from um, him being a skateboarder. <laughs> You know, and so it's, uh, um, I'm very grateful that skateboarding is so rich in all these other kind of aspects that makes it what it is. You know, photography being one, music being one, you know. Absolutely. Um, speaking of in-house stuff, uh, Bob Kronbauer said hi to you. Um, oh, right on. Yeah. Bob, Bob's uh, Hello, he's a, he's a studio mate here. So in the building where I'm in, he's just kind of kitty corner to to my studio. Okay, cool, man. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, for for Bob, I'm, I'm wearing one of those. <laughs> cool, man. <laughs> I always I always dig Kodak color palette, the old one from what's that like the seventies, huh? Yeah. Um, that yellow and that orange, it always reminds me of like the skate park era of the seventies. Bands did a lot of cool stuff with those colors. Yeah. Um, and Alan had a question for you. He said he finally got space for a dark room. Um, do you have any tips on what he needs? Um, <laughs> it's going to sound, it's going to sound, uh, it's going to sound like it's not that big of a deal, but I love it. Get a foot switch for your enlarger. <laughs> really? So the foot switch is for the timer. Oh yeah. I love it. Um, I think a lot of it is because of burning. I don't have to sit there and hit my timer and then get back to it. I can have it where I need it to be. Hit my timer Hit the switch, 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 and I'm on. I'm in bed. I'm saying, don't underestimate the foot switch for your enlarger. That and I'm a big fan of um, having a red filter over over your uh, lens um, to block the light if you need to position your paper position a mask over what you're burning while needing to see a little bit. There's like a, some of the filter sets. some of the filter sets will give you a red filter that will allow you to kind of just set up while you have light on it, but it won't fog up your paper. And I'll use that for specific kind of things where I need to be really precise with the burn. I had a photo, a photo uh, of my buddy Willis who, um, skates for Nike and, and, but the photo uh, was going to hang in advance kind of thing. So I wanted to burn out the Nike <laughs> swoosh. <laughs> and so I had to cut out. There's another trick too. keep your, keep your, your, your scraps, keep your mess up, your mess ups basically. So if you, if you blew it on a burn or you blew it on exposure, 
like still run that paper through everything, like dry it, you know, wash it, run it, keep them. Cause those serve as great mass cut out and just lay, lay on your print or just to use, you know what I mean? And so, um, for that, for needing to burn out that Nike swoosh, I needed to be able to see where I'm laying it. And so that red filter really, really saved me with being able to have my paper in, in the easel and then put my mask over it and position it and then take that off, put in your regular filter, whatever you're using. And, and so foot switch and, uh, the red, uh, filter. Those are, uh, underrated. I think that's, the, the red filter, I've never heard of that before. Like, that's such a cool tip. Yeah, the most of, most of those, uh, especially the Ilford, the Ilford, the Ilford um, filter set will give you that red filter. The red filter, basically, it's a safe light. It's like putting a safe light underneath your your lens, basically. So, it's, it's a, it's a, a nice one too if you're trying to dial in your blades you know kind of if you're, if you're either if you're cropping which I never crop but or if you're trying to dial in where you want your borders to sit you know and um, yeah so anyways those are pretty cheap but um, most timers will have a have an input for a foot switch and so but, but again I'm I, I think I'm such a nerd and I'm so particular in trying to get certain burns and things. It's just like, I need both hands and sometimes, or I need to just be able to hold it where I need it and then just click it. Sometimes if it's flopping and I got to move over to hit the thing and then pick it up and then, <laughs> <laughs> so it's just nice to just have it right there. Yeah. Yeah. The virtual, that's a great tip. Um, then there was another question here. Uh, Saltarian um, wants to know what inspires you to pick up your camera now. Um, same same thing that's always inspired me, which is just to capture something interesting to me, or something that I feel is important, or something that I want to remember or just something that I just want to see how it looks being photographed. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is the, the interest is still the same as it's always been. It's just, um, you know, to, to capture a moment that I think is special or simply just to see what something looks like being photographed and in black and white, you know. Um, but I find that... Um, I shoot the most when I'm traveling. <laughs> I think when I'm at home, I'm working on other stuff. And, and I think that's uh, the type of photography that I enjoy. I think a lot of that functions well or came about because of it was something to be, uh, uh, to coexist with traveling and carrying a skateboard and having a guitar also. And um, especially, if, uh, you know, tours, uh, playing music, so there's so much downtime in between sound check and the gigs, and 
And um, it's such a fun way to explore a, a new city or explore just being away, you know. And so, um, and so when I'm home, yeah, I'll still catch moments and things, but I find I'm like, oh, where's my camera? I'm blowing it kind of thing. If, if, um, if I'm around the house or the kids are doing something interesting or there's something or I see a light. Light a lot of times will inspire me to grab my camera, just seeing the way the light looks. Just like, oh man, I'm gonna try to capture that. You know, um, I guess what I'm saying is, at home, I'm not, I'm not uh, quick to the draw. <laughs> On the road, it's always flung around me. I'm, I'm, I'm hunting a little more. Mm-hmm. You know, and so. Um, I think uh, the quarantine really showed me how much I shot. Quarantine showed me how much traveling played a role in the shooting. I didn't shoot as much during the quarantine. That was more processing and uh, printing. Yeah, quarantine was really weird. but Yeah, yeah it was a trip. <laughs> a big trip. <laughs> um, and then I think e- Ecrip... 310 is wondering who is your favorite fellow skater photographer? Wow. Favorite fellow skater photographer. Man, there's a lot, man. I can't just name one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Top three. Top three. Um, I mean, well, all, you know, Anthony Acosta, my, like probably one of my favorites is Humphreys, John Humphreys and Michael Mealy. Um, uh, Tobin Yelan. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, um, Gabe Mulford, like, you know, but so many guys have such good eyes and just good. Um, <laughs> I like Jerry Sue. <laughs> Jerry Sue. I dig how he sees things and the, and the, 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 I love it when you can see people's personalities through their photography, you know, mm-hmm. especially, especially, um, yeah, I just, I just, I love how sometimes you get a better idea of someone's personality through their photography, <laughs> you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, man, there's so many, but those are, those are some, um, Thomas Campbell has a great eye. Really interesting the way that he approaches his photography. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a Spike Jones. I always loved how Spike approached shooting skating. Um, Spike was the first guy out of all the guys that I would go out, uh, out of all the photographers that work for the magazines that I'd go out shooting with. Spike was the first one that was like, we get to a spot, say like 12 o'clock in the day where the sun is just harsh and I'd be ready to get the trick. We'd be skating for a little bit and then he'd be like, okay, cool. Let's go somewhere else. Let's go get something to eat and come back at five. And I'm like, I'm ready to do it now. And he's like, no, but the light's going to be better at five. And I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then when the photo come out, it's like, Oh, that photo looks so cool, you know. Um, 
I saw somebody say French Fred. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, yeah, we could spend we could spend a lot of time just going over <laughs> all all the all the all the great photographers out there that I feel. Uh, um, oh coming from skateboarding. Then Brian had another question for you. Speaking of Ilford, how was it working with them? Well, for the longest I shot, try it. Because when I, when I first, I didn't start learning how to use a manual camera. I shot with a, a Yashica T4 for years that I picked up from probably around like 95. Um, and for the longest, that was my, my photography function through uh, Yashica T4. <laughs> But my wife had a Pentax K1000 that she had before we got married. And she would pull it out from time to time to take photos of the kids and things. And, and that camera would sit on a mantle. And every time I see that camera, it just reminded me that my Yashica T4 was, it was training wheels, if you will. And I knew that, man, that Pentax K1000, that represented the craft that all of my, all of my friends that are these amazing skateboard photographers are using. Like I, I understood that like they're really doing it. I'm kind of faking it because this Yashica T4 is doing all the work for me. And so I basically, when I got into um, wanting to use a manual camera, then that was, I was, I don't know, probably, what was I, like 30 something? And so one of the things I was super excited about was getting in the dark room. And once I figured out that I could learn to print at the Long Beach Community College, they could just take a beginning black and white course and then you can just use the lab um, to print, then I, I was like, okay, I can do this. But I realized that paper is expensive, film is expensive, chemicals is expensive, along with the amount of time that it would take to just even get over the learning curve of learning how to process your own film and learn to print, right? Um, and so with it being expensive, and me needing to justify spending this money on what my wife would always say is just like a hobby. Um, then I quickly found out about the best and cheapest film stock <laughs> or, you know, uh, film to buy. And so I'm here in California where freestyle photographic supply is. And I learned from the employees that, Arista Premium was repackaged Tri-X, but for like half the price. Oh, wild. <laughs> so I was using Arista Premium for like, I don't know, seven, eight, seven or eight years or something, you know, until I think Kodak, they, they didn't agree on the amount that, uh, that Kodak wanted Freestyle to buy more than they felt comfortable with. And so they stopped using Kodak basically for their Arista premium. And so when that was done, I started buying Kodak, Tri-X, um, 
I think someone turned me on to Ilford HP5, and I used it on a trip. And I think I got turned on to it from my friend Matt Day, who he did a YouTube thing showing Ilford HP5 pushed to 1600, and it looked amazing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to try that. And from there, I just saw that, like, you know what? HP five is so versatile because not only does it do the regular rating, which I, I sit at around two fifty. Um, I nerded out with my buddy Ray Zimmerman, who's a great photographer, skateboard photographer. It goes by uh, MRZ. Um, it goes by that, and uh, we did a. I found out about a, a film speed test, and. Uh, found it online and I was like, Ray, would you want to do this with me? And he helped walk me through this film speed test and Tri-X for my camera, my chemicals, it came out, it says 400 on the box, but it's really about 250. And so anyways, I just applied that to um, HP5. And so not only did 250 look great on the HP5, but 1600 looked amazing, pushed. Um, I had detail in my shadows. And so, um, so I was just like, I'm all in with HP five. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm kind of a late comer to the film stock. Um, but it's probably my favorite film stock, um, HP five plus, but I've always used the paper. And so it was an honor to be able to work with Ilford, you know, um, we did a thing with my friends, Daniel and Sarah, who, uh, they have a, um, it's called Explored Explorinary. Yeah, they're they're and in the got, they're watching right now. Oh, right on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so they're the ones who did uh, they did this series called Ilford Inspires, and they did a great job. And so um, not only was it fun to work with Ilford, but it was really fun to work with uh, Daniel and Sarah. They do, yeah. That was uh, all of it was just fun, but. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, Ilford. Um, always use the paper, but now coming over to the film side, I really love that HP5. Hey, Daniel. <laughs> I saw <laughs> And then Alan had a question for you that uh, a little while back. Um, okay. There's rumors that Leica might be releasing a new film camera. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I've heard those rumors too. I think it would be amazing. Um, I, it makes me, it reminds me of, uh, I'm not sure what the years were, but um, when the SLRs came out and Canon and Nikon were kind of starting to take over with the SLRs and like uh, the rangefinder uh, was struggling, wasn't selling as much. And then they diverted manufacturing to Canada to kind of try to lower the cost. Yeah. And they came out with the, um, is that right? would they come out with the, the M4 Canadian? Four? Yeah. Yeah. The M4 Canadian, but there was like the M4 two or something or, Oh, is it? The M4? Um, yeah. The M4 two. Yeah. Right. Um, but anyways, um, I think that, I think that really saved them. Um, if, and 
there are talks about maybe a, a new film camera and um, I'm excited and I guess hoping that it's kind of a similar kind of thing where you can figure out how to manufacture it maybe outside of Germany so that you can keep the cost manageable and then with the, with the film surgeons or wherever the interest of film photography is today that you can have a camera that can compete against these kind of really crazy high price M6s <laughs> and M7s now. And uh, I think uh, uh, if they can figure that out, I think it could be, I think it could do well for them because I think someone would, would like to get a new camera for the same price of a used camera. And so, um, I'm hoping the rumors are true about the new film camera. I I hope so too. Cause like, I'd really like to buy a Leica of my own one day. Um, but I had a bit of a challenge with it. Cause like I, I had a chance where I I could have bought a Leica, but instead I chose to buy a Deardorff eight by 10 cause it was the same amount of money. Right on. (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah. And that's, that's my point. Well, I guess also what I wanted to say is it's not about just bringing out a film camera. It's bring out a film camera that can allow the community that's most excited about it, be able to get in. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't do a film camera and then have it be priced so high that the people that really are passionate about wanting to shoot film can't get to it. You know, and so I guess along with it, I'm hoping that they can figure out a way like they did before with the M4s to come out with a film camera that is affordable, basically, you know. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, because they've always been doing film cameras, right? They came out with the MA with no meter, (laughs) but still, (laughs) but it's still charging, you know what I mean? But it still comes in at a high cost, so it's it, it's all about accessibility, man. People, people, uh, it's about accessibility and it's about, uh, inclusiveness. Right. And so, um, there's a lot of people that would want to be a part of it, but it's not accessible when it's at those high, high prices. That's and very so true. if they're able to, if they're able to get it to be reasonable, now it's a little more inclusive and get a, more people experiencing it and being a part of it. And hopefully they can figure out that dynamic. You know, I feel like they did it before, so hopefully they can do it again with it. Yeah. Fingers crossed on it. And then Explordinary had a question for you. Uh, well, yeah. first they wanted to say that your glasses look really rad and they dig them. And um, <laughs> they wanted to know if you had any exhibitions coming up. So, um, I, I was just a part of, um, there's exhibition. I got to go to, um, to Tupelo, Mississippi. Um, this was, I think maybe a couple weeks now. Um, it was really cool. They had, they had, uh, there was a festival that, uh, local, uh, skate shop, um, called change and uh, Matt owns it working with the city to bring just, um, to bring just new life 
to the city. And so he, he was a big part of putting this festival together. So skateboard, music and art, you know, and so um, I had some prints hanging up with uh, a art collective called uh, Punk Rock and Paintbrushes. Oh, that's a lot cool. of, yeah, so it's a lot of artists, very few photographers, but there's a couple, myself and, uh, and another photographer. Um, uh, and so, and that's kind of traveling. So it was in, it was in Tupelo, Mississippi, then they went to Nashville, and now it's going to like a music festival with like uh, a bunch of bands on that bill, like Pearl Jam and these kind of big bands. Um, and so, but I'm so out of it. I don't, I don't know where that one is. I was just like, you guys have my print, so you can take them to <laughs> wherever you're traveling to. <laughs> and so, um, but nothing, nothing coming up. Been working on music, um, uh, working on a, a album. Um, and so that, and then, uh, skateboarding. And so, um, not really printing too much right now or, um, and don't have any shows coming up or anything. That's really cool though. And then, um, Aaron is uh, curious outside of skate photographers, uh, what photographers inspire you? Wow. Um, I'm, I'm just a huge fan of the whole Magnum collective, you know, um, David Allen Harvey, Constantine Manos, Martin Frank, um, uh, and then, but then also like, uh, John Klein, well, William Klein, um, uh, uh, is it Joseph C? Yeah. Um, I can never, I can never pronounce his name. Right. Um, um, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of guys are kind of, kind of escaping me right now, but a lot, a lot of, a lot of those guys are huge influences for sure. A lot of the Magnum guys, um, uh, Alex Webb. Um, I just, I love how, I love, I love how they arrange the, uh, their composition, the way they arrange the elements within the frame. It's just like, I just love the way the command that a lot of those guys all have with that, you know? And I love how it's from capture. It's not like when they crop later, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, um, I get inspired and really appreciate their abilities to, to do that, you know. And I'm a big fan of black and white too, so I just think like, man, they just mastered that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, um, uh, you know, Cartier, um, Cartier is huge, but his wife, my team, I think, man, she's has just as much influence on me as he does her eyes. She has it too. What he, he always called it geometry. That's what Cartier always called it composition, but just the placement of things, you know, that's interesting. I, I'm, I'm a little curious, not photography related, but, um, 
what got you into music and when, when did you start that originally? Oh man, I wanted to play music before I got into skateboarding. And so growing up in the eighties and MTV had just come out. Then, you know, I grew up with a lot of jazz and soul in the house and then MTV comes, comes out and now I've got rock and roll in the house and metal. <laughs> and so in fifth grade, I'm just enamored by the, the guitar hero in these uh, videos and in these concert footage that uh, MTV is playing all the time. And so I wanted to play guitar before I started skateboarding. Um, but I didn't know anybody who had a guitar. And again, it goes back to that accessibility thing. You know, it's like, I think I knew one person who had an electric guitar and but his dad wasn't letting anybody touch it really. And so, um, I, uh, I didn't get a chance to pick up an electric guitar until I got into skateboarding and the guys that I, uh, that took me into the fold, if you will, those guys played in punk bands. And then before we would go skate and have band practice, I'm hanging out at the band practice. And after they're done, I'm picking up the guitar, bugging them to teach me some chords and then eventually I get in the band and eventually I get my own guitar. And so, um, so music came through, I want to say MTV, <laughs> but I didn't get to experience it until I got into skateboarding. That's wicked. Awesome. Like, um, yeah, I, I really dig your music, honestly. Like, uh, one of my oh, favorite you, albums man. that I listen to, uh, especially when I'm like driving around, um, is, uh, the one he did with the Matson too. Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah. I miss those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Some, someone earlier on was asking if you were going to do a, a follow up with them. That's what, that's always out there. It's just more about, um, yeah, just time and just, uh, someone saying hey let's do it <laughs> Absolutely. everybody's so busy and doing their thing but but I, I i can say that we're always open to that and hopefully we'll be able to get to that at some point you know? I, I think one of the things that i really enjoy too is not only like um like listening to your music but um the videos i've seen of you playing um, you're like one of the most genuinely happy people that I've seen when you're playing on your guitar. And it's like, it's a really cool thing to watch. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, man, I'm just, I'm just having fun. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully I'm not blowing it. And it's, not a, <laughs> and it's not a rough gig, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I'm so grateful, man. I always, I always feel like, I'm going to get caught (laughs) 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 being able, being able to do what I've been allowed to do. (laughs) And so, um, so uh, I'm encouraged that it, it, uh, that joy is visible because I am grateful and, and, um, and, and I'm not conscious of it. And so, um, and so, yeah, so yeah, um, uh, I, I know where that joy comes from. And so, um, I, 
guess what I'm saying I'm 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 glad that uh, I guess it comes out, you know. As and someone's asking here, when are you coming to play in Brazil? <laughs> I'm always open to come out. <laughs> it's more about opportunities than anything. <laughs> yeah, you got to find a Brazilian show promoter there, man. Get get them to, right. uh, to book Ray. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so we, we've gone we've gone out there before though, and it was a blast. Got a chance to play out there before, but it was a while back. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, so I, I asked you about your your top three favorite skate photographers, but uh, what would your top three like musical inspirations be? Man, um, pro- probably at the top is Wes Montgomery. He's a huge, huge hero. Um, I'd say uh, D. Boone from the Minutemen. Okay, he's a he's a big inspiration and hero. And feel like lately, I just I've always been a big fan of uh, James Honeyman Scott from uh, the Pretenders. Oh, he only played on the first two albums and he died. But um, yeah, man, Honeyman's a beast. Um. But I would say those are my three right now at the moment. I mean, Wes is always up there. Same with D. Boone. But I think lately, because I've been playing a lot with uh, my friend Tony Alva and uh, Rachel Rainwater and Matt Rainwater, they have a band called His Eyes Have Fangs. And um, uh, they're in between guitarists. And so I've had some time to be able to um, play with them. And, and uh, uh, when they've got gigs, Come, you know, they, when they have gigs, they're like, hey, Ray, would you want to come play with us? And so as I've been playing with them, then uh, Rachel Lamb's been writing some new songs, and I've just kind of been helping out with arranging them and things. And so it's really made me appreciate the craft of what James Honeyman Scott did with Chrissy Hind, where he kind of brought a lot of the melody and life out of her ideas, you know. And so it's really made me appreciate his role and what he did with the Pretenders, you know. That's really cool. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, what has been one of your like favorite moments while you're hunting for a photo? Wow. Sometimes you just get a photo where you're like, wow, like I caught that. I hope. <laughs> yeah, I hope. I hope that. I didn't. I hope <laughs> I didn't blow it. <laughs> and so. Like very, it's not too often, but sometimes I will get that. Like, oh man, I can't wait to process that one. <laughs> it's been a while, but so I don't, I don't know, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's one moment. I think it's just an overall kind of thing that um, feeling that you can get when you shot something that you think could be really exciting to to print, you know, and maybe be a part of a show down the line or something, you know? Um, but as many times as I've, I've had that, I've also had process it and it's like, yeah, it was better just seeing it (laughs) than how I captured it, you know? Yeah. I've definitely had moments like that where it's like the brain photo is a lot better than the, the -hmm. photo that I took. Yeah. Yeah, or what I thought 
the camera saw it didn't see it that way either because of me or just because it can't you know and uh where is it here nc film freak is curious what's your go-to film developer with hp5 so what have i been um yeah right now i'm just hc 110 right now i've been i was for the longest i i for the longest i felt like my look was Triac with concentrated D76. Concentrated? Concentrated, yeah. Because I wanted it to be snappy. Oh. Um, uh, I did that for the longest, but um, I, I really got over mixing powder. And so when I went for liquid, I ended up with um, uh, HC110, Kodak HC110. But for push stuff, I love Ilford. Um, uh, I think it's just called Ilfotech HC, which is their version of HC 110. Um, but it's just called Ilfotech HC. And it's that combination when you're pushing, I feel like that's the magic. When you use Ilford HC, uh, Ilfotech HC with um, uh, HP5, I mean, I've pushed it to even 3,200 and seen details in the shadows and shot and, and had images that I shot in the day and the highlights weren't all blown out and crazy. So I feel like that combination is kind of what, what uh, allows you to get to those results. That's it's, very uh, cool. Ilfotech, Ilfotech HD with HP5. I, I've never messed with the Ilfotech, but HC one ten is it's one of my favorites. Yeah. They changed the formula. It's a little more liquidy now. Yeah. I don't know if it will I don't know if it'll last as long. We'll see. My buddy Robbie Jeffers, who's another photographer that I really dig and a good friend. But he was saying he felt like it went bad quick for him, you know. Oh no. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah, I've, I'm not trying to. I don't think I don't think Kodak's too hyped on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm all re- I'm all wrecking that new deal. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're out here like repping. Sorry, Ilford. Kodak. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry Kodak. <laughs> well, we we, uh, we got to get Tim Ryugo in here, and we can see what Tim can do to try and pull you back into the the gold fold. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm still I'm still down with it. I'm still using it. It is my go-to. Um, it is my go-to. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it changed the formula. So. Yeah. That's totally fair. But, but that being said, I'm thankful they're still doing it. Cause I know it's hard to get materials now. And I know papers in jeopardy because they're having a hard time with certain materials that they use for paper. Damn. That's um, a, a lot of the paper companies. Yeah, man. So, so that being said, thank you. Thank you, Kodak, for still making it happen at least. And uh, Black Swan 70, uh, 74 is wondering, what guitar effects do you like? Oh, wow. Um, so for the first time in a long time, well, first time since ever, I've uh, put a pedal board together. Um, and I would say probably my, probably my, I have two favorite pedals right now that are my pedal board. One is, um, is a company called hologram 
and they have a pedal called a microcosm and it's like a um it's a uh, granular kind of sampler delay pedal but it's it's wild and i really dig it and then i'm a big fan of the strymon pedals so i've got the strymon deco which is uh it mimics uh uh, uh, input of a tape deck where you can kind of saturate it and it compresses. And then it also mimics uh, the effect that you get when you take two tape decks and you spread them from each other. There's a, there's a lag deck and then the source deck. And the farther they go uh, from each other, you get uh, flange kind of more phasing and then chorusing. And then the farther you go, you get doubling like a slap back delay. Whoa. And so anyways, that, that, that pedals, uh, uh, probably one of my favorites. That sounds like a fun pedal. Um, yeah, it's cool. And it's then, kind of, uh, always on pedal for me. <laughs> um, and Alex, uh, is wondering how often do you have to get your, or do you have to get your Leica M6 repaired often? Um, not, I mean, I do get it serviced, but only if I blow it, meaning like I've dropped it at the beginning of a trip before and uh, messed up the alignment, <laughs> my patch. <laughs> and so, um, of course I've had to get, you know, you get that service. Um, few years back, man, maybe four now there was a big, my wife's a school teacher. So, um, uh, LA Unified had a big strike. Um, it's like the first one in like 30 years. So I was out there shooting it and it rained that day. And so, uh, I lost my meter being out in the rain <laughs> with it. And mm. then, uh, my, my viewfinder fogged up. And so that was probably the last big kind of, you know, repair that I needed. And, um, I had, a. I was using, uh, uh, going to Steve at Steve's cameras in Culver city. Um, and Steve, uh, Steve replaced my, uh, viewfinder for me. He put in the, I, I use a, a like an insert and he put in the, uh, what's called the MP upgrade. Oh, nice. Um, and so, yeah, so it kind of helps with the, with the flare that you'd get on certain angles of light hitting and making you lose your, your patch. And so he put that in and then, Eventually, you put in a new meter for me. Nice, but but like typically, I don't really have to get a service much, really. No. And then uh, Ray Vidal is wondering if you're ever going to play in Toronto. Hopefully, <laughs> but no plans as of right now. If if you do end up in Toronto, I think you'd enjoy checking out Hotel Rex. It's uh, cool. it's on Queen Street West. And it's this uh, kind of little bar that's always playing like blues and jazz and stuff like that. And it's a lot of fun. Right on. That's cool. And then, uh, Robert is wondering, how did you come to invent the no comply 180 revert? I mean, me, me, me and my friends, we were just basically, me and my friend, particularly my friend Robert Torres, um, we were just, exploring and trying variations of what we, we learned those as uh, step hops because our buddy Randy Smith in Sacramento, he's the one who taught us and showed us what everybody calls a no comply. 
But back then, uh, he was calling them step hops. And so um, we would go to Sacramento because I lived in San Jose at the time. We'd take a Greyhound to Sacramento, skate with the Go Skate crew. There's a skate shop there in Sacramento called Go Skate. And um, all the skaters that worked there and hung out there rode for them, like Ricky Windsor and Troy Clower and Randy Smith and uh, Sam Cunningham, Ross Goodman, all these guys. Um, we would go out and skate with them and Randy was doing step hops and we learned them. And then when we go back to San Jose, we would just try variations. And so, um, I, I just think we were just like, Hey, what if we like try to turn it back, you know, kind of thing. Um, but I've always put this disclaimer out there. It's like, I never claimed to have like invented anything because, um, I always figured, somebody somewhere else was stumbling across the same ideas, you know, it's just, I happen to, uh, get sponsored by probably one of the biggest skateboard companies at that time and came out in their video. And that's where people saw that stuff for the first time, you know, but people have been doing that for a long time, you know, that's at wild. least where I came from, especially Sacramento, you know, and, Another one of your uh, extraordinary homies just popped in. Uh, Joe uh, Joe Brooke just got in. I liked his uh, right. his Alfred video. That was a fun one. Yeah, Joe's awesome. Hey, Joe. And then we've got another question for you here. Uh, what's the pedal that makes your guitar sound like a bass? Oh, that's a pitchfork. It's a Letcher Harmonics pitchfork. Yeah, it drops it drops it down an octave which that's where bass sits. It's just an octave lower than a guitar. And so, yeah. Yeah, I got this uh, looping pedal um, called the Aeros Loops Studio. Um, and it's been a game changer for me because it allows me to send my loops to different sources. And so I can send my guitar loops that I create live. I can send those to a guitar amp. And then I have, I'll store drum beats inside the pedal and I can send those drum beats to a bass amp, which will do a better job managing the kicks, the lows and the kicks. And then I can send a bass loop through the, the bass um, amp. And so that's allowed me to grab a, um, grab a pitchfork pedal and start playing bass through my guitar. Because before I would, I, I had a boss loop station and everything just had to go through the amp. So I had drums and two guitars going through this poor amp that is trying to manage all these frequencies. There's no way I could add bass into that too mm -hmm. and manage all the levels. And so this pedal really allows me to get separation and allows me to have those frequencies. And so um, that pedal that looper has allowed me to incorporate bass now. And I do that by way of the uh, electroharmonics pitchfork. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Technology is wild, man. It's so crazy, dude. It's so crazy. Cause this looper is like having a four track at my feet. <laughs> Except for it's six tracks. <laughs> six tracks and a pedal. Yeah. In this looper. Yeah. Mm hmm. That's incredible. Like, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Fun. Right. 
Yeah, it's it's been a minute since I played with any of that stuff. Like I used to be in uh, a weird punk funk ska band with bagpipes when I was in high school. Rad, dude. <laughs> dude. It was it was a little terrifying playing with bagpipes because we had to tune to A to be able to play wow. with the bagpipes. And yeah. when I was like tuning my yeah. bass up to that, it was mm-hmm. making some really angry noises. And I just like I kept picturing like one of the like strings snapping and like stabbing me in like the neck or something. <laughs> you know my friend uh my friend Lance Mountain when I think when he was a kid he played I think he played bag yeah, bagpipe at school or something. And so That's wild. Not a not a, not a common instrument, right? No, no, it's not a common instrument at all. But um, <laughs> yeah. But, but cool but cool when people can uh can uh kinda have good uh, interesting ideas with it and I know uh, I grew up loving ACDC, and I think there's there's one song, maybe a uh, long way to the top or something. Oh where yeah, they, had, uh, they they come in with the bagpipe at the end. <laughs> uh, where is it? We got another one here. Um, I'm Bo Stewart. Asks when you came up with the iconic ragdoll graphic, did you and Sean Cliver collaborate on that? Yeah, totally. So. So Sean Cliver, Sean Cliver won a contest. Pal Peralta put out an ad saying artists wanted, and they had like a, a contest to hire a new artist because they were starting to change direction from um, a lot of the skull graphics and the artists before, which is a, a VCJ. Um, and so, uh, Sean Cliver won. He, he becomes, uh, one of the new, you know, uh, artists for, for Pal Peralta to do the graphics. And one of his first assignments was to do my, my pro model. Cause I had just turned pro right then. And so I remember, I remember Sean calling me and saying, okay, we need to work on your, your graphic. Do you have any ideas? And I had mentioned my buddy, Randy Smith, who we learned the step hops from in Sacramento. Randy is just such a huge influence on my skateboarding. And one of the things that I was super inspired by and loved about Randy skating is just his ability to make it just look effortless. And it always reminded me of like a, a rag doll because he would just do stuff and just fall <laughs> kind of thing, you know? And it just looked like he wasn't even trying. And, um, and I was super inspired by that and love that about his skateboarding. And, and my friends said they would see some of that in me. And so when I was talking with Sean, I just had this idea for a rag doll, but it was mainly because of that, you know? Um, and man, did Sean blow me away by what he did with just that simple idea of like, I want a rag doll. <laughs> like he turned it into a superhero. Because... <laughs> There's a lot of routes you could probably take a, a you know, a, you know, from that cue, a ragdoll. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it looked it looked like Spider Man to me, but like cooler to me. But that's, but yeah, that's how that's how that came about. Um, uh, it's just you know, uh, the ragdoll is inspired by my friend Randy Smith, but the way the way Sean had the ability to make it come to life 
That's very cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what talent, right? What ability to be able to do that. You know? um, and it's funny, I think about it. I'm so grateful to come up at a time where you kind of had a graphic for a while, you know, in the nineties, uh, the more that there became new companies and things, then you're, you would, uh, a, 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 a graphic, a pro would have a graphic for probably like about a, a, a month. And then the next month you have another graphic. But back then your graphic, you had to have that graphic for like a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so because of that, that graphic becomes a big part of your story, a big part of your deal. It becomes kind of like your mascot, if you will. You know, so people know you just as much for your graphic as they do you or your skating or, you know, and I'm thankful to have been around at a time where that could develop because it's hard for that to develop now. Absolutely, you yeah. know, yeah. That's really cool, man. Well, like, I, I want to say, Ray, like, I really appreciate you um, coming and hanging out with me. Um, I know I've been like dogging you for a while here to like come on on my silly little chat show, and uh, dude, I'm I'm super grateful that you you uh, you came to hang hang out for a little bit. Yeah, no, no, thanks for having me, man. I think uh, we made it happen, dude. We did, and you know, <laughs> finally, <laughs> you're you're just as incredible yeah. as Alan said you were going to be. <laughs> oh man, that's way too nice, dude. <laughs> Both of you guys to say so. Well, it's just, I'm, I'm excited to check out your other your other episodes, and I mean, I know it's live, so I don't know if it lives or sits anywhere. But yeah, um, so is it on YouTube, it's I I am putting more of it on YouTube, um, and I'm kind of in like a period where I'm trying to see if I can transition away from Instagram for the lives and move more to YouTube because um, okay. there's a bit more flexibility with that. Um, yeah but still kind of sticking with like Instagram cause it's like done me so well for, for a long time. But I also yeah. post all the audio onto, um, uh, podcast platforms. So, um, all the audio ends up on like Spotify or Apple music or audible or things like that. Oh, right on. So yeah, those are out there and, um, yeah, yeah it's just fun. Like it's, um, it, it's a bit humbling that like so many people have like, you know, spent some time and, shared their stories and it's always yeah. really cool to like hear um what inspires people and, and like what gets mm-hmm. them going instead of just like the gear talk kind of stuff because it's uh, <laughs> yeah 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 it, it could easily go the the, the nerd gear <laughs> yeah but, but it is but it is i agree man i think um you know when we talk about technology i think um yeah there is something to uh people being able to get a little more insight into uh, thought processes and, and that through, I guess, loose conversation, I guess, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, and it blows me away cause I'm always like, cause I'm a windbagger. And so I'm always like, <laughs> after these kind of things, I'm like, so you're going to edit it down. Right. And they're like, no, we're just going to run it. And I'm always like, well, Man, who wants to hear all this stuff, dude? Well, a lot of people <laughs> like much. hearing it, though. Like it's yeah. Uh, no, and I think that's what I'm like realizing is that like 
there is, uh, um, it is interesting to hear people's thought processes and ideas or, or share their stories and, and especially in a way that, um, yeah, I guess just through like a very loose conversation. Yeah. Like I, I've never, <laughs> since the start, I had no idea what the fuck I've been doing and, you know, three seasons in and over a hundred episodes, I still have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it's just been <laughs> Join the club, right? Well, and, and that's exactly it. Like, you know, I've never had an agenda and I don't think I ever plan to have an agenda because it's just been more interesting to have an organic conversation with someone and have them just share like out of their mind what what makes sense about stuff and instead of it being kind of scripted where it's like, I'm going to ask you these 10 questions and that kind of sometimes that feels rigid. It's, it's not as much. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um. Man, I just want to say thank you, everybody, for such kind words. I've been been trying to uh, look at, look down, and look up, and um, but such kind comments. So thank you, everybody, who's hanging out. And, uh, and I'm, I'm going to yeah. let one question sneak in here before we wrap it up. Uh, Walfred mm-hmm. uh, asks: favorite band to skate to, least favorite band to skate to. Do you find yourself skating better to a certain genre? Um, it's funny, man, because I haven't, I haven't, I feel like I haven't skated to music since the contest, uh, era where like it was all about contest and I was skating more contests early on. Um, and you would bring your music for your run. Right. And so I remember back then it was like, you like B-52s and, um, I remember I really, Dude, I love the B-52s, and so I always love skating to the B-52s. Just that energy. They got so much um, energy. And their quirkiness, and, like, I just I love B-52s. And so, <laughs> um, but, but outside of just putting music in a video to complement your video, like, I don't really listen to music while I'm skating. Kind of just more aware of the surrounding or whatever, you know, um, but back when I was skating to music, um, yeah, it was B-52. That's really cool. Um, yeah, dude. Well, I mean, thank you so much for hanging out. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing your new music and film projects. Um, and yeah, I, I think I might be driving through Long Beach, not next week, but the week after. So if you're around, I'd love to buy you a cup of coffee. Dude, reach out. Dude, for sure, reach out to me. It'd be so I'll be, cool. I'll be bummed if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be bummed if you don't. Uh, I'm, I'm just hoping I'm around. What are the, what are the dates? Um, I think we're going to be... Um, I think we're in LA. So we have to stop in San Francisco for the 25th. So Armand, hey, Armand from the Denton camera exchange, he's flying up to Seattle on the 24th and he's driving down with me cause we're going to go to Denton, Texas. Um, okay. so we're doing a Polaroid photo walk in San Francisco on the 25th. And then I think we're going to be in LA for the 26th and maybe part of the uh, 27th of, oct- of, of September. This yeah. This month. And then oh, I should be around. Um, I'm coming back through on the way back from Denton to um, California, maybe on the four, well, fifth or sixth, because 
I'm interviewing Jason. I'll be, go- I'll be gone, man. Okay. I'm, I'm interviewing Jason again on the 6th, and so I'm going to cruise by and, and, and see him there. So, Right on. But I'll, I'll hit you yeah, up for man. next week. I should be around. Yeah, yeah. I should be around for, um, yeah, uh, when you're heading over, right? When you're heading to Denton, basically. That'd be awesome, right? man. Coming, coming through, yeah. I mean, well, dude, thanks for, thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely. Super, well, I appreciate you hanging out with me and uh, we'll, we'll let Mr. Mocha walk us out. I got outro music too. So we'll uh, get that going here. Um, but thanks again, everyone for tuning in. Um, yeah. Thank you everybody. Yeah. Y'all are great. And next week I'm going to have uh, Iris on. She's a very interesting photographer from New York. So um, Black Swan says, say a prayer for my dad. Prayers for your dad. Um, for sure. Yeah. And stay safe out there. Have fun, and I'll uh, I'll send you a message, right? And we'll we'll catch up. Right on. Uh, Thanks everyone for your time. It was so great. All right, take care.